Hello and welcome to Town Hall Tattle, a casual conversation about what's going on inside the four town halls across South Yorkshire. Local politics is never dull and there's plenty going on in Sheffield, Doncaster, Rotherham and Barnsley. I'm George Torr, I'm a politics reporter covering Doncaster and the South Yorkshire Mayoral Combined Authority. Today I'll be joined by Lucy Ashton and Molly Williams who cover Sheffield and Daniel Andrews who covers Rotherham and Barnsley. Hello to you all, we're back again. Uh, Lucy, I'll come to you first. How are things and what we, will you be talking about today? Hi, George. Hello, everyone. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about the ongoing saga of Pinston Street, which I think, quite frankly, is driving every Sheffield resident insane at the moment. Good stuff. Across to you now, Molly. Uh, Sheffield again. What's in your notepad today? Hi everyone, yep, so uh, it's been a pretty busy week for uh, politics and council stories in Sheffield. Uh, so today I'm going to focus on Sheffield's clean air zone. Good stuff. Danielle, yeah, you've got Rotherham and Barnsley to talk about today. How are you doing and what are the big talking points from those uh, places, please? Yeah, I think we've had a busy week across the board. I have as well. Um, I've got a, There's been a row rumbling over taxi fare increases in Barnsley and there's a planning inquiry that's going to be uh, starting in first some land in Wickersley. Good stuff. We're going to start off with something that Molly's uh, kind of brought to the table today. Um, these are on clean air zones. So they've been introduced in many cities across the world in an attempt to lower the amount of harmful emissions in the atmosphere. Sheffield Council will start consultations on its own clean air zone next month and it's considered to be one of the most radical changes to Sheffield in years and it could hit some road users in the pocket. So, hi Molly, how are you doing? First of all, what is a clean air zone for those who don't know and how will this affect Sheffield in its simplest of terms? Um, so basically, uh, Sheffield Council is set to approve a clean air zone in a special leaders meeting next week. Um, that means from next year, uh, like George said, buses, taxis, coaches, lorries, vans that do not meet uh, clean emission standards set out by the council will have to pay a daily charge to drive in a city centre. Uh, for Sheffield, this will be a £50 for buses and coaches and HGVs and £10 for LGB, LGVs and taxis. The idea uh, with clean air zones is basically that drivers will be encouraged to upgrade to more environmentally friendly vehicles to avoid the charge and eventually the city's air will uh, air quality will improve. Uh, Sheffield, uh, like other cities, like you were saying, George, uh, was told to get a clean air zone by the government because it has exceeded legal limits of nitrogen dioxide since around 2010 and around uh, 500 people die a year. Uh, early due to air pollution related illnesses according to Sheffield Council. Uh, some might remember that plans for a clean air zone in Sheffield were first announced in 2018 but the council delayed implementing it due to COVID-19. Uh, the council then reviewed whether it still needed one and in a report this week it basically said it still does. Okay so I can remember at the time when this was being debated that there was a bit of a uh, kind of a debate over whether you know your normal average car user should be charged for this zone. So kind of what are the council's thoughts on that and what will drivers need to do to actually avoid paying? Yeah, so um, basically the main way around it is drivers are going to have to upgrade to either a Euro 6 diesel or a Euro 4 petrol. Um, there will be some support available, uh, but how far that support will actually go uh, remains to be seen. Uh, like you were saying, there's going to be a consultation 
focusing on that sort of financial support starting in November. It's important to make clear that private cars and motorbikes won't be charged at this point. Uh, the council said the reason for this was that while they make up the most traffic, they do not pollute as much as, say, like buses and lorries. So they thought by targeting the most polluting vehicles, this would be the quickest way to get the city down to legal levels of air pollution again. Um, there are some national exemptions to clean air zones for military, historic and agricultural vehicles. And Sheffield Council is proposing some extra local exemptions as well, which are for emergency services, local charities and businesses which have ordered upgrades, but they haven't come due to sort of like supply issues and that kind of thing. OK, and how much of a difference will this actually make to air pollution? Because I know Sheffield, again, like you said, it has been wrapped for the kind of illegal amounts of uh, CO2 in the air. So how much difference will this actually make? Because it's going to rile up a few people, I would have thought. Yeah, so um, a member of the cooperative executive was telling me the other day that it's expected to bring Sheffield's air quality back to legal levels within about a few years, uh, which will make the air safer, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the air is going to be safe. Um, so basically, to sum up, this this has been described as a bold step by the council, but it's still one of many measures that the city is going to need to take to be able to tackle the climate emergency. Okay, thank you, Molly. Moving on to Lucy now. Um, it's on the theme of transport again. Uh, the ongoing saga that is Pinston Street in the city centre. In short, Lucy, what on earth is going on with Pinston Street? <laughs> I wish I knew, George. I really do. They have to make a decision whether to open Pinston Street to traffic, namely buses. And the council's been under pressure for quite a few months to make a decision one way or another. And this week, I had a briefing with a senior councillor who said Pinston Street would remain closed indefinitely. There will be no traffic, including buses, going down Pinston Street anytime soon. And to be honest, there was some relief when he announced this because I thought, at last, we've actually got a decision. 24 hours later... The council director in charge of the city centre published a very lengthy report which contradicted, seemingly contradicted, what the senior councillor had said. And this report said very clearly that Pinston Street wasn't remaining closed indefinitely. There was a possibility it might reopen to traffic and they were still considering all the options. And what's the what's the next steps from this? Do we know roughly what kind of side we're going to fall down and what kind of time frame are we looking at at this point? Because it's really conflicting, as you've said. I, I genuinely, I wouldn't like to go to a bookies and and make a bet either way on this. I I honestly cannot call which way this decision is going. We've got apparently yet another report being done by the council, which is really frustrating because. The council knows how everybody feels. There are some people in favour of it staying closed and there are some people who want it reopened. But we we know everybody's views on this very clearly. So I don't know why there is yet another report being drawn up about this. I mean, how have, how have people reacted uh, to this? 
in short, because, you know, they've got to make a decision at some point, and this is affecting people's livelihoods, especially the businesses around there, and people who want this to be traffic-free. It, it is. that There's frustration with people involved in this, but there's a, a lot of frustration across Sheffield from people who think that this is... Um, now too too much time has been spent on Pinston Street. It, it seems to be the only thing that the council is concentrating on. And I'm getting feedback, particularly from developers and people involved in planning, who are very frustrated at the local plan being delayed. Um, the council's going to have a, a deficit of 44 million next year we've got um, a huge black hole in adult social care um you've got some serious issues in home care and there's there's people now saying it is an important street it's a major street through the city center but it is one street and they feel that the council's taking their eye off the ball with all the other important issues yeah, it's something that I think will be rumbling on even further and, and you may be able to bring it back to and the next podcast, three in a row, that, that would be something. Um, we're going to turn to taxis now over in Barnsley. Danielle, this is your domain. Um, so the carriage, excuse me, start again, put my teeth back in. Hackney carriage drivers have asked the council to let them increase fares by 40 pence for the first mile. In response, councillors have asked them to submit evidence of rising costs there's been a bit of a row between the cabbies and the councillors. Drivers say they've left the industry because they'd get more money on benefits. Councillors have expressed doubts on such rising costs and say it's not fair to squeeze the public. So, Danielle, why have carriage drivers asked for an increase now? Um, so they've cited rising costs as a reason for the increase, mainly fuel costs, insurance. Um, they mentioned things like vehicle maintenance and stuff like that. Um, so the first mile of a journey would increase from 380 to 420. Um, the Hackney Carriage drivers did submit um, some evidence to the licensing board. They've said they've really struggled through the pandemic. One said that during an eight-hour day shift, is lucky if he earns 50 quid. Um, they've said they can't recruit drivers because they're better off on benefits. And they've said that they're just fair and honest people who are trying to do the job. So what have councillors said in response to that, Danielle? Because obviously there is a bit of a row and the councillors are you know, pretty much saying that they don't want to pass this on to the uh, consumers, which are the residents and the taxpayers. Yeah, so councillors on the licensing board, um, they asked drivers for proof that costs were rising to justify this increase. Um, they sort of said, you know, lots of people have struggled during the pandemic and one councillor said it's just too much to ask at this time. And another councillor actually kind of disputed the increase. He said fuel's the same price as it was when the fare was last increased in 2019. And he said he was worried that a fare increase might lead to some people using black market taxes instead. Um, so the, the issue is going to be decided um, at the licensing board's next meeting on October 27th. Um, there was a public consultation. It got six responses. Two were in favour and four were against the increase. Um, I mean, the council overall has been really supportive through the pandemic, to be fair. They've offered all kinds of like financial assistance for individuals, for families who have been struggling. Some's from government funding, but some they've match funded. 
Um, I do see the point about sort of squeezing consumers who are already struggling, um, but it does sound to me like the drivers are also struggling and I sympathise that they're wanting to put the fares up. Um, I mean, it's easy for me to say, like, the last time I used a taxi were in about 2019. So maybe if I had to use taxis to get to work or appointments, I'd be saying something different. Um, it's difficult, but I think it's going to be a lively meeting next week. I think definitely with the change in the taxi industry as well, with the rise of Uber as well, coming across South Yorkshire and other kind of influencers and people, you know, catching lists with the mates and stuff. I think, you know, bus fares as well. This 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 issue again with, with taxis, I think, will definitely rumble on. It's definitely not a Barnsley problem. I know Sheffield's had their own and Doncaster's had their own discussion around this. And I think they're going to be presenting something next year on this. So, uh, you know, it's definitely something county-wide. So we're going to stay with Danielle now, but we're going to switch over to Rotherham. And there's going to be a planning inquiry, and it's set to probe Rotherham Council's decision to refuse a plan to build homes on a former sports ground in Wickersley. Plans for 116 homes at the site were recommended for approval by planning officers at Rotherham Council's planning committee on the 18th of March, but they were refused by elected councillors. However, the decision could be overturned by the government's planning inspectorate when the inquiry begins on the 9th of November. So, Danielle, hello again. Uh, just tell me uh, roughly a bit of background about this case and why it's gone to a full-blown inquiry. Yeah, so officers recommended um, this plan be approved back in March when it came to planning board. Um, but like you say, it was turned down by councillors on a number of grounds. Um, the developers offered through Section 106 £760,000 to mitigate the loss of the immunity. Um, so they, they were going to pay for a new replacement cricket pitch, new football pitch and changing room, and new bowling and tennis facility. And there was there was 150 objections, which is you know quite a large number from residents in the area. What were the main reasons why they didn't want this development to go ahead? Um, yeah, more than 150 written objections were lodged. Um, there are a lot of reasons about traffic congestion on Wickersley Road, um, loss of trees, pressure on infrastructure and air pollution. Um, I think the main theme throughout was the loss of green space. This space. Um, in, in the planning application, it was turned down because of a loss of green space. Um, and the developer argued that it's got no meaningful public recreation or other amenity value. They said that by building these houses and providing the Section 106 cash, they were actually going to improve sports and recreation facilities in the area. But one of the main themes of the objections was residents saying this has actually still been used as a playing field it might it's, it's informal and um, but it's still been used by residents as a playing field and it's it's our green our, our community green space um, the site was actually allocated as urban green space in the council's local plan but that was mitigated through the offering of the section 106 money to um, provide alternative sporting provision Okay, and uh, the councillors sided in favour with the residents, but, you know, for all the councillors' decisions, it might be in vain anyway. But what were the main reasons, I mean, you've probably touched on it already, but what were the main reasons why the councillors uh, refused the application? Yeah, the two official reasons were the loss of green space um, and the lack of a plain pitch strategy which would prove the site is not surplus to requirements. Um, but during the planning meeting when it was turned down, councillors said the site is an irreplaceable amenity and that its loss can't be compensated for. 
Um, but the developers argued that the site's got no meaningful public recreation or other amenity value and that they would improve sports and recreation facilities through the Section 106 money. Um, they sort of said in the application that the pitches are overgrown and um, the clubhouse and changing facilities are in a poor state of repair and they can't be used. Um, so, yeah, the council's decision could be overturned by the planning inspectorate and the inquiry begins on November the 9th. And uh, will you be covering the uh, inquiry, Danielle? I will be, yes. Um, I've never been to a planning inquiry before, so I'm not, I can't sit here and say how it's going to work all the ins and outs or anything. They but I think it'll be quite Very, usually very long, very technical, <laughs> sometimes quite yeah, laborious, um, over pages and pages of documents, QCs making uh, statements, which take you know sound like five minute sentences so um yeah you'll be having fun with that one but no obviously it's very important to the residents though um i am actually aware of this site i'm pretty sure i played sunday league football on there as a kid um and you know it is roughly sad to see places like that going you know playing fields where kids are you know learn to play football or kind of stuff like that being turned into housing so uh, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of pans out now, we're going to move on to some headlines now, just some uh, bit of a whistle-stop tour across the county in terms of news and other things that have been going on. So something that Lucy touched on earlier in her topic is that the uh, council has delayed its local plan yet again, and it will now not have a working document in place until 2024, well over a year after the government's deadline. The local plan is basically a planning blueprint which identifies areas of space across the city for housing and employment. It's like a a real guide for the planning committee in terms of, and the officers in terms of when developments come in and uh, basically is this space suitable for this development? Um, kind of comparing that with Doncaster, say, Doncaster got theirs done, wrapped up last month and they have a pretty good working draft at the moment. So there's work to do for Sheffield there as well. Uh, the council are blaming an increase in the government's housing supply targets, COVID-19, the government's planning white paper, a need to brief new council leadership and the changes to national planning policy. So there's a few so there's a few reasons that Sheffield Council have given for uh, the reason why the local plan has been delayed. Uh, staying in Sheffield, uh, on a slightly different topic, uh, residents have launched a petition calling on Sheffield Council to get more free public toilets in the city centre. Earlier this month, there was a discussion about bringing the old toilets outside the town hall back into use. Many will know the men's bathrooms were closed and redeveloped as a bar. The petition on the council website will run until the 9th of November. Just briefly, Lucy, on the on the local plan, how how kind of um or or Molly, whoever wants to jump in, how much of a problem is this in in the in the simplest terms of not having a working plan in place? Um well it's a constant bugbear for the council, really. Every time we sit in a planning meeting, a council will most likely bring it up or an officer. Um I mean a big uh a big sort of event that happened recently that sort of proved how crucial the local plan is, is we had the planning inquiry at Holland Busk in Deepcar. And it's this uh, sort of greenfield land that's treasured by the community. The planning board didn't want it. The local community didn't want it. Um, the developer appealed. They went to a planning inquiry and it got overturned. And part of the reason was because it didn't have a local plan in place and they couldn't say that, well, we've designated this land as sort of like recreational green space. So, and also that coupled with 
the lack of the housing supply uh, required by the government um, meant that Sheffield kind of didn't have a leg to stand on to refuse it in the end. Okay, thanks, Molly. Just uh, moving on to Doncaster now. Uh, the council is set to spend £4 million on improving leisure centres and swimming pools across the borough. The lucky leisure centres in question are in Thorn and Askin, as well as community swimming pools in Edlington and Rosington, and they'll all be getting a facelift uh, in 2022 and finish off the work in 2023. Bosses said budget pressures and competing priorities led to significant underinvestment in facilities, which is kind of a... A very sorry picture across the uh, across the council world, across the UK, because usually you know Doncaster now is operating on just over fifty percent of its spend on just children's and adult social care alone, and there's to be honest, not a lot of uh, money left for other things. So uh, you know, some timely improvements for leisure facilities in Doncaster. Uh, moving on, this is slightly different, which resembles Grand Designs, which I found uh, this week, is that plans have been submitted to convert a former water tower into a five-storey home with a rooftop pool in rural Doncaster. Now, this is this is sheer coincidence, but the applicants are only named as Mr and Mrs Tor, no relation of mine. They want to turn a water tower on Bawtree Road near Bawtree into a home with five floors, a lift, a stair tower, extension to the side and a rooftop pool. The plans also include an extension to the roof of the tower to form a conservatory, basement extension to provide parking and the creation of a vehicle access to the underground storage area. So uh, no relatives of mine uh, are building a five-storey tower with a rooftop pool in Doncaster and categorically claim that's not the case. Uh, we're going to move on to Rotherham now. This is again tying in with Sheffield's clean air zone. This is something on their end. Um, a final business case will be submitted for Rotherham's Clean Air Zone. It's expected to be approved by the Council's Cabinet in the new year. The plans will be linked with Sheffield's and would see a number of changes introduced in a bid to reduce harmful emissions. If the scheme goes ahead, the, the speed limit on the Rotherham section of the Sheffield Parkway will be reduced from the national speed limit to 50 miles an hour. Uh, lorries would, all, would also be restricted in certain areas and buses are set to be rerouted. Uh, same with Rotherham again, uh, an application to build a new care home on the site of a former fire station has been lodged with the council. LNT Care Development has submitted a proposal at the site of the former Brampton BLO fire station, which was demolished in 2011. If approved, the two-storey care home will provide single ensuite uh, rooms uh, for 66 residents, as well as 25 parking spaces, a library, a garden, a cinema and a hairdresser's. Uh, moving on to Barnsley, uh, double yellow lines to prevent careless and indiscriminate parking in six hotspots across the borough have been approved by councillors. Three of the no-waiting traffic orders are now in place at housing developments on Dernhall Lane, Barry Green, Manor Road and Barnsley Road in Cuddeth, as well as Nanny Mar Crescent in Darfield. Uh, staying with Barnsley, uh, new bins and later shifts for town wardens have been approved in a bid to keep Barnsley Town Centre uh, clean. Barnsley Council's uh, Cabinet has approved just under half a million pounds to clean up the new and improved town centre after the public square was unveiled at the Glassworks. So that's your headlines across South Yorkshire. If there's anything else anyone wants to jump in on uh, for today, uh, if not, I will wrap it up. Any final thoughts, guys? No? Okay. Thank you very much then. Well, uh, that's it for this month's podcast. Uh, we are going to be 
um, telling you all about the next edition, and we're going to be publishing that across uh, social media and the like. I'd like to thank Chris Eccles, who's been in the background. He's going to do all the uh, editing wizardry. Uh, Lucy Ashton, Molly Williams, and Daniel Andrews. Uh, and from us, it's uh, goodbye. Thanks a lot. <laughs>